Hello and welcome to the Faculty Podcast, covering the latest breakthroughs, research, news and insight delivered by the world's leading academic and industry figures. For many years I have been involved with uh, research that spans um, sort of basic fundamental science to uh, clinical application in the context of looking at virus infections that have the potential to cause global outbreaks. Uh, So our strategy and my research group has been to consider rather than making pathogen-specific therapeutic interventions, which obviously vaccines are, and they're very, very important. Um, In the interim, before you have a vaccine, there's a period of time where the population is unprotected and you need to have some sort of therapeutic intervention. To develop a drug costs about a billion dollars right now. Um, And if you make each one pathogen specific, um, I can guarantee that uh, over time the virus mutates and that and drug resistance develops. Um, So that's an incredibly inefficient inefficient way to spend money. Um, So our strategy has been to cut to the chase to look at developing broad spectrum antivirals that will have uh, efficacy regardless of the virus uh, that is being investigated, interrogated. Viruses live in reservoirs, um, generally speaking, in animals. Um, And uh, as you mentioned, there are outbreaks uh, from time to time when these viruses jump species. So we've seen this with the coronaviruses, SARS-CoV-1, SARS-CoV-2, with MERS. Um, We've seen this jumping from bats or pangolins, and we're not quite sure exactly what, with SARS-CoV-2. Uh, into humans. We've seen this um, with Ebola. Um, We've seen this with a number of, you know, you have uh, vector-borne viruses, mosquitoes, that um, will carry the virus, for example, from some sort of avian species into humans. So, you know, whether it's dengue, Zika, um, it doesn't really matter what it is, the, the likelihood of there being continuing outbreaks exists, the more so as we encroach into um, uh, areas where uh, there are a lot of animals or uh, when we have uh, open live markets where humans are in close contact with exotic species. And and that, that isn't going to change. We can pretend that we can have an influence on shutting down these markets, on limiting access to exotic animals. But the truth is there are certain jurisdictions around the globe where that is culturally absolutely appropriate and it's not going to change. So the the likelihood of more and more outbreaks, especially as we have this incredible shrinking globe, people travel all around the globe, uh, is going to continue. From my perspective, after at least three decades of research, the um, ideal, optimal, broad-spectrum antivirals that will um, target any and all viruses are uh, the type 1 interferons, interferon alphas and interferon beta. And why do I consider these to be ideal candidates? It's because in response to any and all virus infections, the very first response we make 
is to produce type 1 interferons. So on all cells in the body, because when you consider viruses have the potential to infect any cell, whether it's a respiratory virus, whether it's an enteric virus, whether it's a virus that targets the liver, the kidneys, the heart, enters through the skin through a mosquito bite, we have to have in place some sort of surveillance system that will recognize that a foreign virus has entered and that will mount the appropriate response. So every cell have these um, surveillance system, these pathogen recognition receptors. And what's remarkable is that in response to activation of those receptors, wherever they are and whatever flavor they happen to be, the downstream uh, event in response to that virus activating that receptor is the production of interferon alphas and interferon beta. So naturally, we make that response to clear virus. Not surprisingly, viruses have co-evolved to very specifically block that interferon response. So I defy you or anyone who's listening or reading this to... Um, identify a virus that does not encode in its genome certain factors that block interferon responses, whether that be this coronaviruses, Ebola viruses, dengue viruses, hepatitis virus, HIV, I could go on and on. So we make interferons in response to any and all viruses, and viruses attempt to block it. And why is that? Why do we make interferons? It's because interferons have the potential to block multiple stages of what we call the viral replicative cycle. Interferons will target their receptors to activate transcription of genes that are involved in blocking viral entry, in blocking the uncoating of envelope viruses, in inhibiting viral replication by degrading RNA or DNA or whatever the genetic material of that virus is, in preventing the assembly of proteins to form the virion, and also in preventing egress of the virus. At the same time, when the viral burden is overwhelming, interferons will induce factors that cause the programmed cell death, the apoptosis of those infected cells. So interferons are directly antiviral. So it doesn't matter what the virus is, there'll be at least one, two, or three stages where interferons could exert their inhibitory effects. And at the same time, interferons are also able to mount an immune response to very specifically clear virus infection. Interferons will um, accelerate from progenitors the production of very specific immune cells. They will, at the site of infection, uh, cause the production of what we call chemokines that orchestrate the trafficking of, of very specific immune cells to, to a site of infection. They will activate those immune cells. They will differentiate them to become effective at clearing virus, whether that be dendritic cells, B cells that become uh, antibody producing cells, whether that become whether they are activating macrophages to phagocytose virus, whether they're activating CD8 T cells to become cytotoxic or CD4 positive T cells 
to become helper cells that are effective in clearing virus. So the opportunity with interferons is that they activate both direct antiviral effects and they activate an immune response. In my research, we, we've applied uh, interferons in clinical studies. You know, having understood all the signaling pathways, we spent decades working on them. We've applied them during the SARS um, outbreak in Toronto in the clinic, and we had good outcomes. In, during the Ebola outbreak in Guinea, did the same thing, repurposed for treatment of Ebola patients, had good outcomes. Most recently, we've been in Wuhan, China, did an exploratory out, uh, study with an inhaled interferon alpha, had good outcomes. And this has prompted um, sort of this uh, uh, mobilization around the globe, which is really exciting, where a number of different studies are now ongoing clinical trials looking at the potential efficacy of um, therapeutic treatment with interferon alpha and interferon beta and or uh, against uh, COVID-19. So the opportunity here, which I really would like to stress, is here we have a broad spectrum antiviral that's already been approved clinically for at least 20 years. We have a lot of information on it. Um, the bias against it has been because it was used in chronic hepatitis C, a chronic virus infection where it had little utility. And the reality is interference, uh, that's not their purpose. It's not to deal with chronic virus infections. It's to deal with acute virus infections. And here we have the opportunity to stockpile in various jurisdictions around the globe, interferon alphas or interferon beta, many of which have come off patent, so are relatively inexpensive, and we could use them clinically whenever there is an outbreak anywhere. So you could prevent this kind of global transmission that we've seen with this pandemic if at the source we'd have been using interferon.